Yeah, this feels like deja vu, but I'm not mad about it. This episode of Above the Line was presented to you by Haymaker Coffee. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, Haymaker Coffee is the coffee for you. Enter the promo code RACE10 to receive 10% off your order of Haymaker Coffee. Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. We clearly have a lot of Harvick news to talk about, some silly season news to discuss, and we got a preview of the weekend coming up at Watkins Glen. Lots of interesting storylines to discuss, so without further ado, let's get to our results of the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond. Richmond was a Ford manufacturer playhouse, and we all thought Joey Logano was going to win it, leading 222 laps on Sunday. However, that was not the case. With around 70 to go, Happy Harvick picked up the lead and won his second race of the season, leading the last roughly 70 laps. So congrats to that Ford team on having back-to-back -back wins from Michigan to Richmond. Not only is this Kevin Harvick's 60th career win in the Cup Series, but this ties him with Kyle Busch for ninth on the all-time winners list, which is a huge and monumental stat. And just thinking back to a few weekends ago where we were like, when's Kevin Harvick going to win? Is he ever going to win again? If he's retiring in 2023, will we actually get a win out of him? To him, winning back-to-back -back is very, very impressive, especially in that beautiful Mobile One paint scheme. So congrats again to Kevin Harvick and the four team. Now let's look at the rest of your top 10, starting with the second-place finisher. Christopher Bell, I think if you gave him five more laps, maybe less, he would have passed Kevin Harvick for the win. So it was very, very close. He was charging through the field near the end. Unfortunately, like I said, not enough time for Christopher Bell to get to the bumper of Kevin Harvick, make a move, and win the race. But he had a really good car all day. So that was Christopher Bell in the second position. In the third position, we had Chris Busher, very impressive ride from him. Busher did have the chance to take the lead. He was riding in second, trying to get to Harvick's bumper. I know Brad Kozlowski tried to hold Kevin Harvick up just a little bit to try to get Busher to get in front of him. Unfortunately, that did not work out. But I, I love what Chris Busher said after the race in his interview. He said, we're finally in the news for the right reasons. He's been on fire this season. He has flipped the season at Charlotte. So I love seeing them in the headlines for the right reasons as well. Not a win, though, but a very good day for that 17 team. Then in fourth place, leading 22 laps of the race, we had Denny Hamlin. Fifth, we had Chase Elliott. He started from the 23rd position, quietly ending it in the top five. In sixth place, we had Joey Logano. Again, so close to a win, but just wasn't able to make it happen. Then in seventh, we had Martin Truex Jr. And I thought this was the race where he should have gotten it done. Unfortunately, that was not the case. And if we look at the points later on in this episode, you will see that there is more of a deficit than Martin Truex Jr. wanted to have happen with Blaney finishing ahead of him in points on Sunday. So this, this was still overall a good day, but when you look at the playoff standings, this is not what that 19 team needed. Then in eighth place, we had Eric Almarola. He seemingly had a chance to win earlier in the race, but then as the sun went down, so did the car. Also to mention, he went from 32nd to 8th, so a really good day for that 10 team. Then in ninth place, we had Kyle Busch. And at this point in the season, everyone at Joga's Racing has had a run-in with Ross Chastain. At the end of this race, Kyle Busch said he got Chastain, a new verb that I think NASCAR should coin in their dictionary if they have one. But let, let, let's give you some background on this. So on a restart in stage three, they ended up going three wide. It was Ty Dillon on the inside line, then Ross Chastain in the middle, then Kyle Busch on the outside. For me, this was clearly a racing incident. I don't think Ross Chastain meant to do this. I know a lot of people on Twitter and my comments were like, this was clearly Ross Chastain intentionally trying to sabotage a Joe Gibbs racing guy. I don't think that's the case. And maybe this is me giving him too much benefit of a doubt. But 
if we all know Richmond and how those races happened, if you go three wide into a turn and everyone's bunched up, things are bound to happen. This unfortunately took Eric Jones out of contention for the day. He had a lot of damage. This also got some damage to Martin Trix Jr. I don't know how much this affected him during the rest of the race, but as Kyle Busch was coming down out of the apex of the turn, Ty Dillon was kind of moving into Ross Chastain's line. Nobody had anywhere to go. So for me, this was purely a racing incident, but I'm curious what you think in the comments below, but that is a ninth place finish for Kyle Busch. Then closing out the top 10, we had Ryan Blaney. He needed a win today. He has two more chances to get it done if he wants to stay into the playoffs, but he had more points than Turex did. And speaking of points, let's look at the points now, starting with our above the yellow line point standings. I didn't win out this weekend. That winner goes to Dom with a pick of Denny Hamlin won out the weekend. He added four points to his total, making it 61. I came in second with a pick of Martin Truex Jr. Brandon came in third with a pick of Kyle Larson. And I think losing for the first time in a while was Adam. He picked Ross Chastain to win this race. Unfortunately, that did not happen, but he is still winning in our point standings with 67 points. So those were the above the yellow line point standings. Now let's look at the playoff grade and things shook up quite a bit, starting with Joey Logano. He was fifth in playoff contention. Now he moved up to third, bumping everyone else down. And then when we look at Kevin Harvick, who was 15th in the playoffs league last week, now with two wins, he moves up to seventh. I said that Blaney extended his points gap to Martin Truex Jr. Last week, it was a 19-point differential. Now it is 26 points, meaning that Martin Truex Jr. is now 26 points below the cutoff line and everyone behind Martin Truex Jr. is over 200 points minus to the good, they're definitely going to have to win and they only have two more chances to do it. So we'll have to see if someone can get it done. Obviously, Daytona is looking like the key place for all those drivers to pull their attention towards, but maybe Watkins Glen could be a surprise. I have no clue, but we will have to see. But that is your updated points standings after the race at Richmond. Now it's time to take a look at our Xyloware MVP of the week. We got to start off with a negative though, with our LVP I've kind of hinted at this as we were talking about the results, but I, I really have to say that Martin Truex Jr. overall this week is the LVP. In my opinion, Richmond was the best track for him to make things happen with Watkins Glen being a mystery a little bit with him kind of not performing the best at the road courses. He's a really good road course racer, but the Toyotas have not had a great package this season. Plus, if we look at Daytona, he's not necessarily a great super speedway racer. So for me, this was Martin Truex Jr.'s last opportunity to get a win. And at this point, he can only hope and pray that he can make up the points on Blaney, who I think has the advantage going into these final two weeks of the regular season. So LVP has to be Martin Truex Jr. Finally, looking at our MVP, guys, it's Kevin Harvick. It's pretty obvious. He went from nothing to something, back-to-back -back wins, showing a lot of strength, a lot of consistency these past few weeks. So congrats to Kevin Harvick on being this week's Xyloware MVP. Though I gotta give an honorable mention to Joey Logano in the Ford camp. They all did exceptionally well this weekend. Stuart Haas Racing actually had all drivers racing in the top 10 pretty much all day. Unfortunately, Cole Custer, I think, had a power steering issue that took him out of that contention. But overall, a great showing for the Fords and again, a great job by that Ford team. All right, you all know what time it is. It's time to rate this race above or below the yellow line. We got to start off with your comments on a poll on Twitter. Then we'll go to your YouTube comments and then I'll discuss my rating. But starting off with the Twitter poll, here's what you all had to say. 18% of you said this was a great race. 41% said good, 28% said okay, and 13% said bad. If we look at the YouTube poll, 17% of you said this was a great race, 45% said good, 27% said okay, and 11% said bad. Looking at your specific comments, Justin said, I'm not saying it needs two dates, but judging a racetrack and how many dates it should have after a boring truck race shouldn't be done. Clearly the cup cars this year have performed better. Next up, NASCAR Trav said, battle for the lead in the last stage was compelling. 
on YouTube, Compressor Stall said, I thought it was very good. I was honestly surprised the next gen performed well today. We saw multiple grooves being used in a good amount of passing. I'm guessing short track racing is better when the track is hot and slick. Finally, from you guys, Holly said, it wasn't great, but it was very good. There was hard racing throughout the field and the closing laps were quite exciting. From the Above the Line crew, Dom said, Kevin Harvick winning again this weekend is great for NASCAR. Now there are two drivers on the grid with 60 career wins and they'll both be in the playoffs. Well, this Richmond race doesn't stand out over previous ones, it's a great track with great history. Harvick will go into the playoffs much like he did in 2019 with late season momentum. We'll see if he can capitalize. And finally, from Adam Lucas, he says, An interesting Richmond race had me perplexed as to what I was watching. I thought for a second we were racing at Iowa Speedway today with how wide the track became. A very different race compared to the spring and any of the previous night races held at Richmond. I was totally expecting a snooze fest today, but I was surprised and elated that we were gifted with an interesting strategic game between drivers and crew chiefs. Now understand that there were some parts of the race that got drawn out, but I still would say that this was the best Richmond race in a couple years for me. With that said, I'll give it a 63 out of 100, making it above the yellow line. I'm going to make this rating short and sweet. I gave this rating a 38% in the spring. I'm going to give this rating a 60% above the yellow line. We were actually able to use multiple lines. We were able to use the high line. Stage three was pretty interesting. Stages one and two were not the best, but they were still, they were still pretty decent. I was not totally bored out of my mind, which is good. I have been a person that has really not been kind to Richmond in the past. I, I just kind of, I don't like the racing there. But from what we saw from the spring to now, it is a major improvement. Though I will say, I do think that Richmond only needs one date on the schedule. I think it should be a night summer race. Look at the truck series, what they did. Yes, that race wasn't the best, but I, I still, I think that Richmond and the short track racing should be at night. I think it's more fun that way. But overall, Richmond redeeming itself a little bit this weekend, giving it a 60% above the yellow line. So that was a recap of the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. Now let's go down the line talking about key moments from the week and the event itself. First off, the big storyline minus the whole Richmond needing one date thing. It's got to be, is Kevin Harvick the new championship favorite after back-to-back -back wins and showing a lot of consistency? In my opinion, we got to look at other drivers that fit the bill as well. Those three drivers are Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin. Yes, I'm saying Denny Hamlin after all season saying he's probably not a championship contender. And of course, Chase Elliott. I'm going to be focusing though on Chase Elliott as he is the regular points leader so far this season, probably going to be winning the regular season points championship. He's going to be the one that everyone's going to have to contend with. So let's compare the stats, shall we? Starting with Chase Elliott. If you go to the NASCAR stats page, it is filled with Chase Elliott for all but two categories. The only two categories that Elliott does not lead are the total laps run and the number of green flag passes. Otherwise, Elliott ranks highest in fastest laps run, laps led, quality passes, and average driver rating. I see Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin making up most of these lists in the top five, but a name I do not see in any of these lists in the top five is Kevin Harvick. So things are already looking pretty iffy if we're just focusing this on numbers alone for Kevin Harvick being a new championship favorite. If we also look at the last 10 races in the average finishing position for both drivers, Chase Elliott has an averaging finishing position of 6.8, while Kevin Harvick has an average finishing position of 13.6. So already not looking good again for Kevin Harvick being a new championship favorite. Listen, I know that Chase Elliott hasn't had the best car the past few weeks, but if we look at the past 10 races, like I said, his average finishing position is really, really good. 
I don't think we can boot him out of being the championship favorite. Obviously, I think the thing that Elliott and Harvick have in common is they have momentum at the right time. Chase Elliott has been consistent all season long. Kevin Harvick is just finding that consistency and that momentum. I think Kevin Harvick is a driver that once he finds the momentum, he keeps it, bearing in mind 2020 happened. But I, I still think it's really good for that Ford team. So do I, do I think that he's going to be a championship favorite maybe as the playoffs go on? Sure. But right now, the title still remains with Chase Elliott. We got to look at the stats. I'm very numbers oriented. So that is why I got to say Kevin Harvick has just not reached that level yet, especially with the rest of his stats that he has this season. But also with the playoff format, wins are the only thing that really matter. If you're doing horrible in the playoffs and you win a race just by surprise, you're on to the next round. So if Kevin Harvick can just keep winning, keep advancing his spot in the playoff rankings, he could win the championship just by surprise. So we'll have to see, obviously, as the weeks go on. But let me know in the comments below what you think. Is Kevin Harvick the new favorite to you or not? Next up and down the line, we have a new driver entering the Cup Series full-time, and I say he's new full-time because he's not new to the Cup Series. He's been rotating out of the college car. He's also been running with Beard Motorsports some weekends, especially the Daytona 500 weekends, but Noah Gregson has found a home at Petty GMS in the number 42, replacing Ty Dillon in 2023. I said last episode that Noah Gregson, if he were to take this ride, which he is, he's not really ready maturity-wise, but he is ready talent-wise. Let's be real though, no driver is mature enough really when they move into the Cup Series. That's what they grow into. And Grayson's been racing with these drivers more as he's gotten experience the past few years in a Cup car that I, I think he has enough respect for the field to not screw anything up. So I, I think he is ultimately ready and I'm excited to see what he does. This contract is said to be a multi-year deal and also new teammate going into next year. Eric Jones has also signed a multi-year extension. So they're gonna be building this program for the next few years. And of course, this will be a building process, but I think they'll build into a really strong team. Eric Jones has made really good progress in the Gen 7 car racing in the top 10 the past few weeks on a consistent basis. Noah Gregson had a really good showing at Michigan until things went south for him. But I think they could win races together. Will he be a championship team, in my opinion? No, but I think they could get a couple wins down the road, maybe one win a year, two wins a year. I don't know what it's going to be yet. Obviously, like I said, it's going to be a process, a building period, as I stated. But I'm really excited for Petty GMS, and I'm hoping they can get back to their winning ways. So congrats to Noah Gregson on getting that 42 ride, and I think he has a bright future ahead of him in the Cup Series. Of course, though, we have to speculate who is going to take Noah Gregson's ride at Junior Motorsports. There's been a lot of opinions online. Here are some of the things that I saw that were most notable, starting with Drew Dollar. I don't know if this is legit, if he's teasing something, or if it's just kind of game clout. I, I don't know what it is, but in multiple of his posts on Twitter, he's been posting the number nine, whether it's nine smiley faces, nine holes on the golf course, or something like that. He's been teeing up that he might be moving to the number nine. I'm, I'm not sure I like this move. I think I'm with the rest of you on Twitter that I don't think this is a, a really good move, though I will say that Junior Motorsports and Dale Jr. have been really good at picking out fresh young talent and molding them into winners and or champions. So maybe, maybe if this is legit, Junior does see something in Drew Dollar. I just don't like his stats. And if he's going from his stats right now to a really good champion contending car, I feel like it's a little off-putting in my opinion. But yet again, like I said, Junior is really good at picking out young talent and molding them into winners. So if Drew Dollar gets that spot, maybe it's overall a good thing. Another driver I had in mind was Raja Karuth. Right now, he is currently second in the Arkham Menard Series standings. He has not had a win yet. He also hasn't had a full-time ride in the Truck Series, which in my opinion, I, I really do believe you need to be full-time in the Truck Series before you jump up to the Xfinity Series. For me, it's just paying your dues because I know you can't really compare riding in a truck to the Xfinity Series car. There's, I don't think there's a lot you can really compare there, but at least you get a feel for what the competition is going to be like in the top three levels. 
again, maybe you can't really compare a lot because of lack of respect we've seen on the track, but I feel like Raja Karuth maybe needs more time in those series and maybe full time in truck before he goes Xfinity Series racing, but he's shown a lot of potential and maybe Junior's picked up on that and maybe he will be in that ride full time in 2023. There are two more options I see happening. Maybe Carson Josefar jumps into that nine car. He's made a lot of headlines recently. I know he had that injury. Luckily, he's healing. Now he has a cane instead of crutches, which is pretty good. But maybe he's ready to go Xfinity Series racing. He hasn't won in the truck series yet. That's another thing that I'm kind of banking on here. But maybe Junior's like, hey, Carson, I like your attitude. Let's move you to the nine car. The final option I see happening, though, is that nobody fills that nine position. Junior Motorsports moves to a three car operation, and they put their money and their efforts towards trying to start a Cup Series team. That might be a bit of a stretch. Maybe that's all on your radar too. I don't know. Who do you think is going to take over the nine car? And do you think that's a possibility for Junior Motorsports to move to a three car team? Let me know in the comments below. Finally, down the line, we got to talk about Bubba Wallace as he signed a multi-year contract extension with 2311 Racing. Bubba Wallace said from day one he wants to stay at this team, he has found a home at this team, and that he wants to retire with this team. And if we look back at his season from the beginning of where we were like, oh my god, Bubba Wallace is going down the toilet, to where he is now, there has been significant progress. And I think at this point we can actually truly say that that pit crew swap between the 20 team and the 23 team was successful. Ultimately, you've seen less mistakes on pit road from both teams combined, and you've seen them contending more for either wins or in the top 10 or the top 5. So. Overall, Bubba Wallace has found consistency and he has found speed and has shown that he could be a race winner. So it's really good for that team. And if we look farther ahead into the future, when Tyler Reddick joins the team, I think once that building period is done, they're going to be unstoppable, especially with the old dogs of the sport moving out for the next few years. I know Kevin Harvick's probably going to retire after 2023. Martin Truex Jr. is probably going to retire after 2023. We don't know where Kyle Busch is going to be. Kurt Busch might either be done after this season, depending on his injury, or maybe next season. We have no clue, especially with Tyler Reddick moving to 2311 Racing without knowing if there's going to be a charter for him or what, where, what the situation is going to be. We have no clue, but I think the 2311 Racing team is going to be pretty unstoppable once they have things figured out. So a quick bit right there on Bubba Wallace signing a contract extension and then 2024 with Reddick joining the team. I think they're going to be pretty good and a team to keep our eye on. Now it's time to preview our next race coming up at Watkins Glen, the Go Bowling at the Glen, starting with your track facts and driver stats. Watkins Glen has nine turns with a track length of 2.45 miles long. Race length is 90 laps or 220.5 miles long. Stages one and two are both 20 laps each and the final stage is 50 laps. Now looking at our driver stats, the last driver to win at the track was Kyle Larson in 2021. The active driver with the most track wins is a tie between Elliott and Kyle Busch with two wins. The active driver with the best average track finish is Chase Elliott with an average finishing position of six. The team with the most track wins is Hendrick Motorsports with nine. And finally, the wins by manufacturer. Chevrolet has 20, Ford has eight, and Toyota has four. All this from driveraverages.com. Finally, let's close it out with our two watch to worry for the weekend at Watkins Glen. I gotta say to worry, it's gotta be Kyle Larson. I'm gonna be worried about Larson. I don't think he can bring it back to back from his win last year to this year. He just hasn't been consistent this year. It's gotta be that championship slump the following season. So I'm gonna be worried about Kyle Larson and then I'm gonna be worried about Ryan Blaney. I'm not necessarily worried about Blaney's performance this weekend. I'm more so concerned that he's not going to be able to keep the points gap that he has to Martin Truex Jr. I think going into Daytona, you need the biggest gap possible because anything could happen. Blaney could wreck out in stage one at Daytona, and then the points will go to Truex. We will have a new winner, and Truex will be into the playoffs, and Blaney will be out. So that is why I am concerned for Blaney this weekend. So my guys to worry about will be Larson and Blaney. But now for our guys to watch at Watkins Glen. 
Simply put, Chase Elliott is always going to be a guy I'm watching on the road courses. Can he get another win to the season? I don't know. We'll have to see. And then another driver I'm going to be watching, obviously, is Kimi Raikkonen. Raikkonen will be making his Cup Series debut in the Project 91 car for Trackhouse Racing. He is not new to NASCAR, though. In 2011, he made select starts in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. He took part in testing this week. It's for new driver orientation. If you're from a different discipline, NASCAR will allow you to test out the car to get yourself acclimated. If you want to read more of this article, make sure you check it out on tobychristie.com to hear more about that experience. But I'm really excited to see how Kimi can do. I'm hoping maybe he could pull out a top 10. If that's too much to ask, maybe a top 15. But being from F1, having some road course experience, I would think that he would do well. Granted, though, he also said that he really has nothing to compare this next-gen car to. It's like any, unlike anything he's driven before. So we'll have to see how he does, but I'm excited to be watching him on the track this weekend at Watkins Glen. So who are your two watch to worry for the weekend at Watkins Glen? Let me know in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. For the next two weeks, the Above the Yellow Line crew will be doing live streams on Thursday nights. We'll also be toying with the idea of doing a live reaction to the Daytona cutoff race for the Cup Series. So to stay tuned from that and for times for those live streams, make sure to follow our social media pages on Twitter at underscore TaylorKitchen underscore for post-race polls and daily questions. Also make sure to follow Above the Yellow Line on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also make sure to check out TobyChristie.com on all social media platforms to find great motorsports content and TobyChristie.com to hear and read more from the team and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank Ware and Haymaker Copy for supporting ATYL and TobyChristie.com. You can find all of these social pages linked in the description below, but before you check those out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above the Line and TobyChristie.com, and until next time, I'll see ya.